Hello and welcome back to Not Your Inspiration, the podcast where we ramble about disability. My name is Gray, I'm the host of this shit show, and today I am doing a much requested Q&A. So I had y'all send me in questions, I got over 140, so they will not all be answered, but I will do future Q&As if this is something that is like not awful. So yeah, some of the questions are a little like, eh, slightly problematic, but I feel like some some little problematic questions ought to be included. So let's get started. I'm just pulling it up because I'm an unorganized piece of shit. So in no particular order, the first question I got was, are your friends supportive of you? Yes, my friends are very supportive. I don't think I'm friends with people who wouldn't be supportive of me. So all of my friends are great, honestly. They go above and beyond for me. So, you know, like, shout out. Um, question number two. Why do you use the Q slur? This person is referring to queer and me saying the queer community, yada yada. Um, I am in the camp of reclaim the fuck out of it. At some point, every single word, whether it's queer or gay, dyke, homosexual, like every word at some point in history has been or will be used in a negative way. And I think we have to reclaim that in the same way that the cripple pug movement reclaims cripple. Like there is a power in that, in self-identifying with a word that has historically been used against you. I would never like call somebody else queer if they weren't comfortable with it, but for me, I like it. I like it as an umbrella term. I like that it's kind of vague. Um, so you can kind of like play around within it and explore. I think the queer community is a great way of like putting it all together instead of dealing with long acronyms or things that tie into other really problematic trends. Um, I just think it's a good word and again like I wouldn't push it on someone, everyone's identity is their own identity, Um, but in that same vein I don't really think it's okay to tell other queer people not to call themselves queer. So, next question, sticking with the queer theme, explain to me why you think a person can be non-binary and a lesbian. This is, like, hotly debated, in my opinion, wrongfully so. Lesbian culture has a really, really long history of gender nonconformity and not really, um, just questioning gender for much longer than the words non-binary have been around. Not saying that it's not valid, just that language evolves. I think there's kind of this notion where it's a black and white thing and you're either this or that, but you can't be both. And I really don't think it's like that in real life. I think there is a lot of gray areas and exploring your gender and exploring sexuality is completely fine and not harmful. And it's not really anyone's place, in my opinion, to police other people's sexuality and how they identify. I mean, as long as it's not hurting anybody, who cares? Like, okay, you don't think non-binary people can be lesbians, like, fuck off, you know? But it's not really anyone's place, it's not my place, it's not anyone's place to tell other people how to identify. And there is a huge non-binary lesbian culture, and to be honest, there really always has been since the beginning of lesbianism. It's sort of a staple. So I'm going to move on because I could do a whole podcast on this, um, but I don't, 
I don't want to like get too into it. Next question, I want to start my own podcast. Where should I begin? I don't have a lot of money to spend on setup. So, good question. Starting a podcast, if you like go on YouTube and watch all of the, you know, how to start a podcast videos, they make it seem so complicated. Let me tell you, it is not that complicated. If you want to make a living off of your podcast and get sponsorships, then yeah, that shit's complicated and talk to someone else, okay? This is not Night Vale, this is like niche disability, so take that with a grain of salt. You don't have to spend a lot of money on setup. I got my microphone secondhand on eBay and it works really well and it was not that expensive. And if you just have a laptop or desktop, any type of computer, then you can download Audacity, which is audio editing software for free, and that's how you can do it. The expensive part is finding a website to host it. So you can host it through SoundCloud, you can host it through a WordPress WordPress blog. There are different options. That's the complicated part. Um, Do your research, find what works best, but that's where you're probably gonna have to spend money. Not a lot, little bit. And my best advice is don't listen to like the self-help people who all have really successful podcasts who are telling you that you need a $600 studio microphone and a pop filter and those like sound guards on the wall and you need to have a perfect website and blah, blah, blah. Don't listen to that, you know, just go for it because why not? Next question, why did you start this podcast? I've been asked this a couple times and I've definitely mentioned it in some episodes, but I want to kind of put my answer in one place. I started this podcast for a few reasons. It was kind of a combination of one, just being in bed after um, a fucked up surgery and not really being able to do anything and having all of these thoughts in my head and things that I wanted to say and opinions and ideas and just not having the motivation to put it in an essay. And also I was listening to a fuck ton of podcasts, so I was like very inspired um, by all of that. The other reason is I have been wanting to start something, either a more professional type blog, or I was thinking actually a lot about starting a YouTube channel. I've been wanting to start something to talk about the things that I'm talking about because I feel like it's not talked about and it needs to be talked about. And it's kind of one of those like, fine, I'll do it myself kind of things. So I thought that a podcast would be perfect because I don't have to show my face on camera and that is a big win for me. And also, um, this is going to sound sappy, so, you know, just be warned for emotional sap and sentimentality, but Tyler, who created CripplePunk, made a really popular post on Tumblr that said, and I'm paraphrasing here, so don't take this word for word, basically just like, do things you're bad at that you enjoy draw stick figures or sing off key or play games on easy. You can do things and enjoy it and it doesn't have to be like professional or really good quality. And I was very inspired by that. I'm like, you know what? You know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to make a bad podcast and no one is going to stop me. So that's kind of why I did it. Next question. What are your diagnoses? I purposely evade this question. I get it all of the time. My answer to this is I don't like to say publicly, you know, on this podcast or on my blog. If I know you personally or through the internet and you're really that curious, feel free to message me. Or even if you think that like you might have similar-ish things, you can message me, um, but it's not something that I really like to talk about. And the only reason for that is I feel like a lot of people act very entitled to know and they're not 
And so my counter response to that entitlement is to not tell people. Um, there's also just a lot of them and it's complicated and it's not something I want to get into. Um, so here it is right now. Message me if you know me personally. Otherwise, I'm sorry. You're just going to have to live with the mystery. Next question. What was it like emotionally when you first got sick? Did you think you would recover at first? How did you cope? Wow, that's a loaded question. What was it like emotionally when I first got sick? I mean, it was a shit show. It was really bad. I was very depressed, like, not gonna lie. I was 12, um, not to get into too much personal detail, but my family was falling apart. There was a lot of personal stuff going on in my life at the time. It was just really bad timing. It was very inconvenient timing. And of course, it's really hard. Um, it's hard when you're a kid and other kids are mean to you. I lost all of my friends, every single one. It's hard, especially as a teenage girl, doctors really, I mean, doctors don't believe anyone, but they really, really don't like to believe teenage girls. Um, and of course, you kind of hold on to this hope and then it becomes toxic and it becomes just, it makes you feel like your life is worse than it is because you're striving for this like ideal image that just can't happen. It was kind of an emotionally muddled time and also there's like a lot of like mental illness thrown in there so I don't really know how much of it was normal emotional response and how much of it was actual like talk to a therapist um, kind of stuff but it was definitely a hard time. There were definitely dark times for a bit. In the very beginning when we didn't know what was going on at all I thought I would be totally fine in like a few weeks and I was like fine I was annoyed but fine and then once that idea drastically changed then yeah you get the it's like the five stages of grief really and I've talked about this there's the denial and the anger depression bargaining there's all of it so it was messy like you would not really want to know me at that time okay so now I'm gonna move into some um questions that make me slightly uncomfortable so the next one is why do you never tell us your views on Zionism when asked the reason I never tell you my views on Zionism when asked is because I know that you are fishing. When people ask you, what do you are you a Zionist? What they're really asking you is, are you a good Jew or are you a bad Jew? Like, can I support you as a Jew? Or are you like a bad, dirty Jew who's a Zionist? Um, and it's kind of the same thing with like, are you a good disabled person who is inspiring and overcomes things? Or are you a bad disabled person who is bitter and doesn't do anything? And I really, really don't like that. I do not like the thought of being classified as a quote-unquote bad Jew or quote-unquote good Jew for anything I say. Also, I'm not an Israeli politician. I barely light the Shabbat candles every week. I'm not a religious authority. Um, I'm not a Zionism authority. So the reason that I never tell my views is because... I know that it's fishing, and two, I don't want to start that debate, um, and three, I'm not asked that often. It doesn't come up in conversation a lot, like, oh, are you a Zionist? It kind of only comes up on the internet, and people on the internet who ask you to your face if you're a Zionist are not people that I'm immediately inclined to trust. Next question in a similar vein. Does it make you sad when people completely hate Israel without educating themselves at all on situations surrounding the conflict in the Middle East? Yes, it does. It makes it all makes me sad because the truth is that spot in the world has 
holy religious places for Jews, Muslims, and Christians. So it makes me sad that there's so much animosity and that it's such a touchy topic that you can't even talk about it online without starting drama, so it does make me sad. I do think that Jews have a right to Israel. I also think that Palestinians have a right to Palestine. I think this idea that it has to be one or the other is total bullshit. The other thing that I always say is I am not qualified to really have an opinion on this. Most of us are not really qualified to have an opinion on this because most of us aren't politicians and we don't work for the UN or we're not military generals. And most of us don't really even know what's going on and we don't even really know the history um, in that area of the world. So I think if you don't really know what's going on, then it's not really fair to have a really harsh opinion without first first educating yourself, as is true with anything. So next question, totally similar to the first one. Why do you never speak on Israel? What are your thoughts? Do you hate Palestine? Why do you never tell us your views on Zionism when asked? I've kind of answered this, but I will say no, of course I don't hate Palestine. I know people like to paint me as a kind of Not just me. I think people like to paint all Jewish people online who have some type of presence or voice as like these just intense, super Zionist, like hate all Palestinians, like Israel will conquer the world people. It's really inaccurate. It's low-key anti-Semitic. No, I don't hate Palestine and stop asking me about my views on this stuff because it makes me really uncomfortable. I am not going to talk about it anymore. And that includes like on my blog and everything like I will not I will not engage in discussions about Israel, Palestine or Zionism because it always leads to drama and it never leads anywhere constructive. So you heard it here first, folks, folks, stop asking me. Next question. What do you think of those motorized exoskeletons for legs? If they ever developed a practical, easy to use model, do you think they'd make a viable replacement for an electric wheelchair? Not really. Uh, I think for some people they might. A lot of people have disabilities where just being upright is problematic, in a standing position is problematic, or they can't put have any weight um, on their feet. I think it was, I know for a fact, it was designed for people with spinal cord injuries, so people who are paralyzed, and in that case, works great, awesome, amazing. There are a lot of other disabilities out there and they wouldn't all be conducive to robotic walking skeletons because some disabilities, the problem isn't with movement, it is with other things. So no, I don't think that they could be a replacement for electric chairs. Next question, is kosher slaughter similar to halal? And I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing that wrong. I think halal slaughter requires the animal to be bled out before they are killed. This seems very inhumane. We should fight to end all forms of slaughter. I don't know if that is true about halal slaughter. I'm not well educated in it, but that eh, I'm not sure if it's quite like that. I know in kosher slaughter, it's not like that. It actually requires that the animal feels minimal pain, as little pain as possible, does not know they're going to be killed. Um, kosher slaughter is actually pretty humane in terms of in terms of ending all forms of slaughter. Not everyone can be vegan for a lot of reasons, which I won't go into, so I don't think you can just end all forms of slaughter or killing animals because there are so many reasons why people can't be vegan, ranging from money to health to resources, all sorts of stuff. Uh, But to answer your question, 
I know some of the rules are similar between kosher and halal, like not being able to eat pork, um, fasting during Yom Kippur or Ramadan, that kind of stuff. I'm not really sure how similar the slaughter is, but I know that kosher slaughter is pretty humane. And my second to last question is, if you have experience with attempting to get welfare in your country, is that something you'd want to talk about, whether the actual process or the emotional journey involved? So I do not have experience with it, actually. Um, I know I live in America. I know that it's a shit show here. I know that it is an absolute mess. Maximum, you can only ever have $2,000 saved at a time if you're on social security disability. I don't know details, though, because I haven't been through the process. But I know... um, there are actually a lot of good videos about it online, at least the legal side about of it online from lawyers, which may or may not be linked below, depending on if I remember. Um, but sadly, I do not know the answer to that one. And my last question is, how do you motivate yourself when you are so depressed and have no motivation? Like, how do you find the motivation to get motivated? Okay, I know exactly what you mean. My answer to this is, I have no idea. Because when you're at that bottom hole, like bottom of the world, bottom of the abyss, depression spiral, and you just don't want to get out of bed and don't want to brush your hair and don't want to eat food, and it's just like hell and you're just like ready to die. When you're at that point, yeah, it's really, really hard to motivate. I think a big one is once you start, it kind of gets better from there. You know, like once you get the motivation to like change your sheets or take a shower, go outside, walk your dog. Once you get the motivation to do one thing, in, from, in my experience, it becomes easier to kind of keep that going and, you know, get momentum. Um, and I know a lot of people will say like, oh, like we're not all neurotypical, Karen, when you say things like getting outside can help with depression or, you know, like cleaning up. And no, I'm not saying that like going for a walk in nature is going to cure your mental illness, but I will say that fresh air and interacting with other people who you like and trust and are supportive can really help. Isolation feeds depression and it's a never-ending cycle. My answer to your question is outside influences really help. Like if you have a therapist even who you trust or a friend who can just come over and be like, you know what, you need to like get your shit together and do whatever, that can really help. If it's not like that severe but you just like don't have the motivation to do something like let's say i don't know like oh i'm not like horribly suicidally depressed but i just don't want to record a podcast that's kind of the worst i mean that's just like classic procrastination i think but with a like element of horrible crushing depression added to it i have yet to find a really good coherent solution to that but one thing that works for me is doing little steps so like for example let's say I don't know, like you don't have the motivation to cook a meal. Like do little steps. Like first cut up all your vegetables, put them in the fridge and do something else, you know, and then come back to it and maybe like cook part of it. I don't know. And then reward yourself by eating. Like you have to do things in little steps or like if I don't want to record a podcast because I'm depressed simple. Like there was a week when I didn't do anything because yeah, it was like that bottom pit of depression. I need people to like tell me to get my shit together. One of my friends was like, you need... Basically, he was like, you need to get it together, basically. Like, the thought of you just being depressed forever is a horrible thought. And, you know, like, just not in a mean way, but in, like, a motivating way. Because that's what you do when you're friends. You have to 
motivate people to do things. Um, so my advice is take a shower, brush your teeth, eat some food, and just keep going. You know, it doesn't have to be a big thing. Like, even if you just, like, walk your dog and that's all you do in the day, that's great. That counts as doing something. That's it, you know? That's kind of my advice, but I'm not a shrink, so take that with a huge grain of salt. All right, so I am all out of questions. I hope you enjoyed this episode. There are more questions, so kindly let me know if this is something that you enjoy, if I should answer some other questions in another Q&A, um, or if this was, like, a shit show and you don't ever want to hear from it again. Thank you for listening. Self-promo time. My Patreon link is down below. If you want to support this podcast and help me make better quality episodes, please subscribe if you are on the podcast app or YouTube. Thank you very much. Self-promo is done. And as always, take care of yourselves.